0: a science fiction novel, and a story behind writing science fiction based on today's tech trends. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Brett Frischman, author and Charles Widger Endowed University Professor in Law, Business and Economics at Villanova University. Welcome Brett.
1: Thanks for having me. Hi everybody.
0: (laughs) <laughs> give, us, give us a brief summary of your professional background that includes degrees in astrophysics, earth and resource engineering, and law.
1: Yeah, so I after going to school, um, I worked in D.C. for Wilmer Cutler and Pickering, um, and then I clerked for the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, and then I've been in academia since then at Loyola University of Chicago, uh, Cardozo Law School in New York, uh, and most recently at Villanova University.
0: Certainly, a lot of background. You're you're also an author. I mentioned that in the introduction. In fact, your latest book, uh, Shepherd's Throne, is a science fiction novel set 130 years into the future. What's the premise oh. of the story?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear you say it's set 100. It reminds me how far in the future it's sent. Uh, so the, it's a uh, sort of near future novel. Um, as you said, it's it's. It's trying to. It's a. It's a novel. The premise of the novel is that um, we're in a. Uh, you're sort of in, in a world in which um, uh, societies use different technology to sort of mold uh, themselves, to mold humanity, to sort of fit different conceptions of what an ideal human might be. And this is, this is sort of what the the uh, uh, people refer to as modification. Um, and so there's biomods biologically modified humans, uh, comp mods, sort of computer, AI, uh, networked uh, modified humans. Uh, And then there's unmodified humans. And so there's sort of, on the East Coast, you've got biomods that sort of perfect uh, their humans uh, through genetic engineering, manipulating genetic code, um, and then also throughout life with personalized pharmaceuticals, um, and then on the West Coast, uh, you've got the comp mods who uh, rely instead on sort of an optimization algorithm um, uh, that, you know, all of the comp mods are sort of tethered to invisible data networks uh, and sort of they're sort of relying on a different set of technologies to sort of modify uh, how they behave and interact in, in, in the world. Uh, and then the the unmodifieds in, in the, that are sort of hiding in the Midwest. Um, uh, sort of have sort of tried to avoid both societies, the the biomods and the commods. So that's the sort of the setting or the environment for uh, for the novel, the context for the novel. Um, and the, the 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 novel itself, the real focus. It's it's sort of it's a sci-fi novel, but in some ways, it's my, uh, a number of uh, people have suggested I also sort of describe it as a as a sort of a women's fiction novel uh, because the main the main character. Uh, is is Kate Kate Gannett is a uh, is a genetic a biomod geneticist um, who sort of evolves in a variety of different ways throughout the course of the book. Um, but she starts out with uh, uh, she starts out sort of in a, uh, in, a in a hospital setting um, and is uh, sort of in a very sort of stable sort of way of living and and, and sort of very comfortable with who she is. Uh, but she witnesses the sudden death of an infant in a, in a hospital and knows something was, has gone wrong despite all of the evidence uh, to the contrary, suggesting that things are fine. Um, and so that leads to sort of this uh, tug of war between the rational and, and emotional parts of her mind uh, that sort of becomes disorienting and liberating in different ways. Um, and that it, it sort of sets her on a path uh, to sort of figure out what happened. Uh, so it's one of those, uh, it's also sort of, so it's a science fiction novel with this sort of quest or adventure sort of component to it. So that makes, the yeah. much longer than you are. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, a long setup. Y- y- let's long talk about the mods. Huh?
0: Y- y- you mentioned comp mods and bio mods, and I don't realize this is fiction, but do you think we're we're really headed uh, that way in real life? Yes.
1: I mean, we, to some degree, we already do sort of uh, rely on uh, different technologies to modify who we are and how we behave. I mean, there's a whole, uh, so in the Reengineering Humanity book, the sort of non-fiction book I wrote, which I sort of wrote in parallel with this novel, um, uh, we have a whole chapter, for example, on this, this idea of the extended mind, how, how we today extend who we are as human beings and how we think uh, through the technologies we use, through our smartphones, through our social networking technologies. Um, and in some ways, we extend our minds that way, but we also invite others into our minds. And so a lot of the um, uh, lot of the discussion of technology, both Biomod and CompMod technology in Shepard's Drone, um, I did my best, I guess, to sort of make it sort of a realistic plausible extensions of currently existing technologies. So they're not necessarily uh, super long steps away from where we are today.
0: Why in your story was it necessary to engineer harmony?
1: Um, So the idea of engineered harmony, so one way to get think about that is um, certainly within the various communities, there's a certain degree of harmony, right? So the bio mods are a seemingly harmonious community. They they seem to live well, they seem to be happy. The comp mods similarly um, uh, live uh, harmonious lives and seem to be happy with their existence. And to some degree, though less is known, uh, certainly in the beginning of the book, although Kate ends up, this isn't giving too much away, but Kate ends up in unmodified, uh, communities you know, spending time in the Midwest, um, and they seem to live harmoniously. Although there are the seeming har- har- the seeming harmony that exists between the in the different communities doesn't mean that there's no tension between them, um, and there's, that certainly uh, surfaces. Uh, and there's certainly a certain degree of tension between the uh, There's sort of an us them, even though there's no us them based on race or no apparent us them based on say gender. And some of the, a lot of the us them dynamics that we see in modern society today, some of those themes uh, seem to have been engineered away or seem to have sort of faded in some sense by the time you get to the novels setting. Um, but there's certainly an us them, it's been replaced. Like that us them dynamic hasn't gone away. The biomods view themselves a certain way and they view comp mods as degenerate in other ways. And similarly, the comp mods view biomods as degenerate. In other ways, so there's certainly tension and lack of harmony amongst the communities.
0: You mentioned this is your first novel, um, and we've also you and I personally talked about Andrew Ware. He was a early on a uh, guest on our show before he, you know, went famous with. I'm following uh, in his footsteps to the best I can. <laughs> so he's told his story about how he was a self-published author. How did you go about learning the sci-fi craft and becoming a published author?
1: Wow, I mean. I so that the the origin story for this novel is kind of funny. So like in back in, I don't know, 2010, um I had I had sort of uh was at a bar with my friend uh Devin Desai, uh who's a professor at Georgia Tech. Um and he and I were and he had asked me to read a short story that he had written. Um sort of sci-fi short story, it was, it was really good. And I had given, I was giving him feedback, comments on it, and it was, it was sort of fun. And then at the end of the, like near the, the end of the evening, I said to him, I said, you know, here's a, here's a story you should write, you know. And, and, I, and I had just read, for the re-engineering humanity book like the, that I was starting to work on, I had just read a book about extended mind, the philosophy of extended mind. And I'd also had been reading some bioethics, a book on bio- bioethics. And I was like, you know, what would a world, you know, where people had to choose between being bi biologically modified, genetically engineered, or being or being, you know, modified you know, extending their mind through technology. What if you had to choose between the two? And so I said to Devin, I just read these books and I've been thinking about it. And I said, you know, Devin, here's the here's the novel you ought to write. And I started describing this like the biomod, the comp mod split society and some of the and the and the the idea of uh, that you see in the first chapter uh, of Shepherd's Drone. And so I laid it out for him a bit. And after he, you know, patiently listened, and he's like, yeah, that sounds, that, that's interesting. And he says to me, he said, well, you know, you should, yeah, you should write. This. And I said, Devin, you should write this. He said, no, dude, dude, write, write your own book. Like, I'm not gonna write your book. You write your own book. And then I was like, <laughs> I started laughing. I said, there's no way. I don't know how to write fiction. Like, how the heck would I write a, a novel? I don't know. done no training in that. I mean, all my stuff has been physics and math all my life you know, I don't have no idea how to, and then like law, I mean, I have no idea how to do fiction. He said, we'll figure it out. Like, you can learn it. Like, just start trying, start writing some things. Like, and so, and then he said, he recommended Stephen King's book on writing. I got Orson Scott Card's book on writing science fiction and fantasy. And then I got, I actually got one of those dummies guides, like the dummies guide to writing fiction. It was awesome. I mean, it actually was really helpful just in helping me like identify like the aspects of writing a novel that I had, I had no idea where to start or what to do. And then I started reading things online about how, you know, how from writers about how to write. And so then I just uh, basically for a few years in a row, every seven days a week, every, every day I got up, I set my alarm. I got up at five in the morning uh, and had, co- you know, had coffee and wrote for two hours no matter what. Like no matter what happened, I'd stare at the screen if I had, to. some days nothing would happen. Other days it would go, it would go real well. Other days I'd be writing and then I'd look up and like, oh crap, I got to get to class or like, cause four hours had gone by and I was totally wor- like completely in the story. Um, and, uh, you know, I was at one of those years, I was commuting to Duke to teach for a semester at Duke. And I was like, I would still stuck to it every morning at five, even when I was doing that commute, I'd do it at the, in the airport. And I just, I don't know, it just, it just sort of happened. Some, in some ways, the novel wrote itself, like there's certain parts of the novel that just kind of, uh, certain stories, certain characters that I hadn't really plotted out and thought about until I was in the middle of writing. And they just kind of like, it just, that uh, you know, some of the ideas just kind of happened. Um, I had it's probably was like a dozen two dozen different drafts, like you know iterated revision major revisions, rewrites, um, I probably had a, a, at least fifteen to twenty different people who read the whole thing and like commented i hired I hired at the advice of um, Sue Shapiro who is another person I got a lot of advice from um, uh, she 's fiction uh, a, a, and a writing instructor in New York. Um, and, and she had said like, hire copy editors, like, you know, a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred, it'll just help dramatically. And so I did, I worked with a bunch of different copy editors. Um, you know, it was a long, hard process to get the novel where I felt it would needed to be. And then I spent a few years trying to get an agent and playing that, uh, game, which it really is, just seems like a game. Uh, I never, ever got a bite from anybody. Lots of people said, Oh, send me the manuscript and said, Oh, this is really good, but I don't really do that kind of stuff. Um, and so I did a lot of research into what it took to self-publish, um, hesitated for a long time, you know, sort of sat on it and hesitated and worried. And then finally was like, you know what, just get it out there and see what happens. Um, and so there, you know, and then and I worked, I was on, a, I think I mentioned this to you on the, and we're up for the interview. I, uh, I hopped on, I mean, I'm actually been a member of Facebook for a while. I'm, a, I'm on Facebook in part because I teach internet law and I feel like I need to know how the thing works so that I can actually talk about it in class. Um, but all, you know, but also one of the benefits of Facebook are, are some of the closed groups or the public groups that are on there. And I'm on a fiction writing group and there's a lot of complete strangers who've, you know, helped me significantly Uh, Grow as a writer and figure out how to, you know, uh, know, different different strategies for writing, or have helped me connect with um, format designers and like how to do how to think about doing self publishing and like my person who helped design the whole cover was someone I found through that group, so that was very useful, and so I just I think a lot of the thing is like it's a community of different writers, it's like relying on other people uh, to help you figure things out. That's that was my experience with a lot of the self publishing. Uh, And then I just got it out there and you know, and it is what it is. We, I just last, you know, like a couple of months ago, uh, released the, and I worked with a woman, Avon Shore to do the audio book, which I think, uh, she did a wonderful job. I think it came out pretty, pretty, pretty well. So yeah. And now it's just got to go on Netflix somehow, like (laughs) someone out there, like, you know, make the connection. It's gotta be a movie or Netflix or something.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Brett, Brett Freshman. <laughs> it, hey, Netflix, if you're listening, uh, Shepherd's Drone. Okay. He said it right here. That was Brett Freshman, Charles Wigger, Endowed University Professor in Law, Business Economics at Villanova University, and uh, the author, of course, of Shepherd's Drone. And in fact, if somebody wants to pick up your book, Brett, maybe they want a copy or maybe they want to, you know, f- try to read it or listen to it on Audible or whatever. How can they do that?
1: Well, there's the the Shepherd's Drone. I have a website, so you can just you know, look up Shepherd's drone. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, and there's links to it from there. I have a faculty website at Villanova, um, and then it, yeah, it's on Audible. And In fact, there's some free promo codes out there somewhere. So if you, you can find the free promo codes, you can you can you can get it for free.
0: There you go. Thanks again <laughs> for joining us, Brett. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here, or go to tonyahall.net. Thanks for joining.